Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911 two man car. This program is called Jesus 911 because all that simply means is Jesus help me come to my assistance. Amen. That's all that means. This isn't a cop show. We're just two retired cops that love the Lord. But this is for everybody. And as you're going to see today, because all of us need Jesus's help. I don't care if you're a politician, a doctor, a dentist, a nurse, a trash truck driver, uh, a janitor. All of us need to call to Jesus for help. That's why this program is called Jesus 911. Paul, we got a special guest today, and uh, you've done some intel. You've spent some time uh, talking with Eric. So I want you to introduce Eric because I, I'm just uh, going to fasten my seatbelt and just go along for the ride here. Okay, Jess, thank you. Uh, looking forward to today's program. I think uh, the audience is going to really, really uh, be able to uh, appreciate uh, all that God has done in Eric's life. But uh, just, you know, normally when we're in a two man car, um, Sometimes we get ride-alongs. Uh, we uh, normally with a, with a ride-along, we run a quick background check, and you know, once they check out, okay, we we take them through the shift. Today, our ride-along, he didn't come via the conventional way. <laughs> he came via the back seat. <laughs> In law enforcement, uh, we come into contact with hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Many who have have shattered lives, uh, heartbreaking lives. Uh, we're going to hear from one of them today. Um, this story, this is a story about one man's struggle to overcome his slavery to sin and God's amazing. And when I tell you amazing, amazing grace, it's a story that reminds us all of just how far God will go to pluck us from the depths of hell. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to, uh, introduce to you guys, Eric Tafoya. Um, Eric, good morning. Good morning. I just want to tell both of you, hey, thank you. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to be on the show. I just want to tell St. Sheen over here, thank you for having me on the show too, sir. I stand, I stand behind <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! I like a saying that um, when you were doing the intel, you said, but God shall take the guttermost and use him for his uttermost. And Amen. like St. Augustine said, every saint has a past. And every sinner has a future. And so before I get into my story, I just want to remind everybody about those pivotal things right there, that Christ came to save the sinner. He didn't come Amen. to call the righteous, but the sinner. And so, Amen. So I just well, want to well, go for it. We want to hear uh, what God has done in your life, your, your journey of faith. Yes. Uh, we probably know a lot of the same people, so I'm probably going to be connecting with you as you're talking. But go ahead, brother. It's, it's all yours. The floor, the floor is yours. Okay. And so, you know uh, the, the testimony can go on for about 24 hours. It's like a 24-hour <laughs> run, you know, but we're going we're gonna to break it down and go through the story within these next segments. So I'm just going to briefly go over some my life, my past. So whether it was drugs at a early age, getting incarcerated when I was 13 years old. My dad was a gang member, too, so I was also involved in gangs at a young time. Mm. He didn't know how to be a dad, but God bless my dad. He's in... He's, Pray for my, my dad's soul, please. Or if he's in heaven, dad, pray for me. Pray for us. Um, violence, um, all kinds of crimes. Every single one of the deadly sins 
I was I was caught up in every one of the Ten Commandments. I passionately loved breaking. Me and God had no relationship for a long time. Homelessness, in and out of incarceration for a long time. That's all I knew in life. That's who I was. That's what I was. That became normalized to me. And so that was a big part of my life before my conversion story actually started happening. So, um, Eric. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just wanted to say the one thing that that I think is relevant here is you were a baptized Catholic, correct? Ah, okay. Baptized mm-hmm. as a baby, but we never never went to yes. mass, never went to Catholic yes. school or anything. Gotcha. Like yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. But guess what? Yeah. We call that the indelible seal, as you know, of baptism. Amen. And God knew that seal that he placed upon you. Go ahead, Jess. No, that's it. Go ahead. Uh, that, that was good. You know, good uh uh, interjection, Paul. Go ahead, Eric. Okay, so you know we're gonna we're just gonna lead this forward to um, 2000, and because so I was an atheist agnostic for many years, you know, running amok all over the place. I lived in five different states, a hundred different cities, passed on from person to person, in and out of incarceration from the age of 13 all the way, I can all almost to the age of 37, or the well, actually the age of 40, the last time I got out of prison. But I'm gonna tell you about my tale about my conversion to, into Catholicism. I was, I was, I was, remember I got locked up one time and I was going to get 11 years. I had picked up a, 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 it was like a, it was a terrorist threat and bodily harm. And so they were going to give me 11 years. And I was like, man, I didn't know. I just thought I was lost. I thought I was going to get locked up again. My son was just born. And there was a priest started talking and he started preaching. I remember he was saying that Jesus was the way, the truth and the life, but it wasn't necessarily what he said. It's that I was tired of being tired. I, at that moment, this is, but this, but as you'll see later on, I wasn't tired of actually being tired. I was tore up from the floor up. I just could not get my life together, you know? And so I heard what he was saying. I started crying and like crying out of control, boogers and everything coming out. And I remember hearing some of the homies in the background, because I was incarcerated at this time, saying, hey, why is Cuchillo Blade? Well, that was my gang name at the time when I used to represent a barrio. Now I represent the big homie Jesus Christ now in heaven. But they were saying, why is he crying like that? And it's just because, you know, I was feeling hurt. I felt like God was calling out to me at this moment. Like, I feel like there's been these different brief seconds in my life where God's called out, but I really didn't listen. And so I actually started studying with the Jehovah Witnesses and became an unbaptized publisher. So I started getting deep into their theology, um, what the Bible teaches, drawing close to Jehovah, reasoning from scriptures. The Jehovah Witnesses were coming and visiting us in jail. So I was getting really indoctrinated. Plus, he loved me. Like, he saw me crying out there in the crowd, and nobody else reached out to me, but this Jehovah Witness did. But at the time, the Jehovah Witnesses read all kinds of, they love scriptures. You know, they're in their Bible. They like teach, read the Bible. But I had a New World Translation, plus I had four other texts. Four other translations, you know, I had the Good News Catholic Bible, I had a New King James, I had an NIV, you know, I had the the old the old King James to the original King James. And the more I started studying it, because I really started getting into studying a the theology, it was really like intriguing my mind. We're like when you're locked up and you're in a cell 23 hours a day, you're either going to work out, write letters, eat or you can read scriptures all the time because, you know, all that other stuff doesn't take much of your day. The more I started reading the scriptures, the more I started seeing a lot of falseness within the Jehovah Witnesses, like Jesus not being God, where they would actually were changing scriptures. And I used to wonder, why are these four Bibles, even though one was Catholic and one was Protestant, why are they lined up other than the books? Why are these words the same in John 1 and in Hebrews? 
And why did the Jehovah Witnesses take these things out? Why do I see the Holy Spirit being more than just a force, but actually seeing the Holy Spirit's a person? Like Jesus said, Amen. I must ascend so that he can descend. And so Amen. it didn't sit right with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not into the Witnesses. This isn't my thing. So I actually ventured away and started studying with a five-point Calvinist. Really good dude. And a lot of the points that he was saying were hitting right on point. I was seeing scripture after scripture. And then his religion was a little older. You know, but I, I, had under, I knew that Charles Taze Russell had founded the Jehovah Witnesses only like a couple hundred years before that. And then they even took me more back, the Calvinists. You know, and I was like, oh, hey, they've been around a lot longer, 300 years longer. But I never ventured into history of the church. I never thought about going back 2,000 years. It wasn't even in my mind at that time. But one thing that really didn't sit right with me was the reprobate. I really couldn't believe that a loving God who would send his son down to die for our sins would actually reprobate, meaning that some people God created to go to hell and some people God created to go to heaven. And there was nothing we could do. And there's no free will. So there's yeah, no free under, will. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that was Calvinism for you, right? Yeah. Uh, no free will involved and God predestines us to heaven or hell. They call that uh, double predestination. That's the dilemma you find yourself in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt. And at the same time, I'm still I'm still in drugs. I'm still gangbanging. So while I'm studying, I'm still in the world all the way. But I'm reaching. I'm trying. You know, I'm still involved in all the melee, doing things that I shouldn't be doing, but still going back to my cell after I was doing these things and I would start getting into scriptures again. And so what happened was, as I actually at that time, I get out. I was going to actually revert back and go back, go to a kingdom hall as I got out. This was in 2008. And, you know, I was going to go back to a kingdom. I was actually going to go to a kingdom hall out there. And my friend invited me to a non-denominational church. And so I was like, you know what? My friend's inviting me. I'm living in San Diego now. Let's do it. And I went to this church, of course, went to the altar that first day, dropped on my knees crying. And you know, they have good things in evangelicalism. Don't, don't get that wrong. You know, right, right, my, yes. my, my preaching and my fire comes from those years being with them and going to this downtown San Diego, going to the bus stops, preaching the gospel, reading the word. But there was no substance. It was like a cake. It's like being with the evangelicals. Like they're eating a cake, but it's just a plain cake. But we're with, with Catholicism now, it's a cake with icing and fruit. It's all extra tasty. But at that time, I was still eating the cake, even though it didn't have all the beauties of what the full deposit of truth has faith, within, right? yeah. within Catholicism, you know. And so I was always a functioning addict. So, of course, got married, even though I got dissolved of that marriage, um, like about three years back. She dissolved it. She said she never knew that I was a, um, she never knew I was a convict at the time, even though I had told her my whole life, you know. I was just stuck and lost in my addictions. It's like I would go to church on Sunday. Everybody thought I was on fire. And then during the week, I'm smoking crack. I'm doing crystal meth. I'm living in the yeah. world. I'm selling a lot of marijuana at the time. And I could just never get it right. So you had, so, so, so you had one foot in uh, the Protestant church, essentially, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or non-Catholic Christianity. Yes. And then obviously... Uh, you were struggling with your addictions. You never, ever were able to break free from these addictions. Is that right? Never being able to break free from the age of 12 when I started using drugs. The first time I used crystal meth, um, I could never get it right. I was always in that struggle within wow. the Protestant, all the different types of Protestantism I was in. Yeah. There was nothing could yeah. combat it. Hold that yeah. thought, Eric. Hold that thought, my friend. You're listening to Eric Tafoya here in Jesus 911 with uh, Jess and Paul Clay. We're listening to a modern day, again, uh, from complete darkness to light, uh, the confessions of St. Augustine. Uh, 
play out every single day in the lives of millions of people. We'll be right back. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, the biggest the biggest evidence that we have for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that he's alive and Lord and Savior is what he continues doing in the hearts and minds of men and women around the world every single day. People like Eric Tafoya that encounter the risen Christ, their lives are absolutely changed. It doesn't mean that we're not struggling with concupiscence. Obviously, we'll be struggling with that until the rest of our life. But that initial jolt, it can only come from a living Savior. Uh, Eric, continue, my friend. Uh, I, I'm on pins and needles here, so I'm sure so is the audience. Go ahead. So so now I'm... So thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so now, as we ended, we were going through evangelicalism. I couldn't get it right. And so I go through a divorce, and I end up moving back out to San Bernardino. That's where I'm originally from, is San Bernardino. Um, and I start living in a relationship. I'm going to non-denominational churches, these big mega churches. I'm serving, still lost in my addiction. I like to call it, I was a, I was a functioning addict, a functioning, a functioning, a dysfunctioning, functioning evangelical addict, if that's the, if you guys can understand that right. I can follow it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I move out here. I'm living in Rancho Cucamonga, and I'm in a... I'm fornicating. I'm living in a relationship that's not through marriage. And the woman is actually a Catholic, just like my wife was Catholic. I didn't add that. And I took every down, every Mary, I ripped them up. Every saint that I saw on the walls, I broke them and threw them away. Every crucifix that was there, I was an anti-Catholic. So going through Calvinism, evangelical churches, and um, through Jehovah Witnesses, very anti-Catholical. Um, and so I had anti, even the church that I was going to out here in Rancho Cucamonga, he used to be an ex-Catholic, so he was very anti-Catholical. He would always make those jabs all the time, you know. So I'm living with mm. this woman. I'm not treating her right, you know. How could I? I'm on drugs. I'm not living right with Christ. I'm not a part of his church. I'm not asking for. I'm not going to confession. I'm not asking for forgiveness of my sins. Very, very selfish. Very selfish. Love the dog sound in the background. That was awesome. <laughs> I thought that was your phone. <laughs> and so um, this woman, I guess, in a call of help and of, I want to say of mercy because of the person who I was at that time, you know, she loved me, but I was such a mean individual and going out on her and living in the world. She invites a couple over to our house and this man would this man is like, this is a big part of, one of the major parts of why I'm Catholic. She invites over Carol and Joshua Betancourt to ah. the house. Those are her friends. Wow. And well, um, Joshua's a heavyweight. He's a, he's a, he's a very uh, sound theologian, and, and he's a very uh, respected apologist. Go ahead. No, amen. Um, I just talked to him this morning, too, man. Just I had to just tell him, let him know, hey, this is, you're going to hear, it's like a full circle thing right here. This isn't by chance, but by the power of God, only by his mercy and grace, am I ever, am I even here right now that he would take a sinner like me out of that abyss of sin and bring me right here to this show. And so he comes to the house and I'm actually leaving Bibles all over the house and different um, Protestant books that are against Catholicism. And like, for instance, one we always talk about is I left the Bible open in the restroom and I highlighted the part that said, call no man father, except for your father in heaven. <laughs> or things where it says only Christ was perfect. I was leaving all these signs all over the place. And little by little, I'm, I'm, we're getting into a debate, a discussion. He's answering every single question I could bring at him. Every topic I'm bringing up, he's, re he's refuting it and showing me through scriptures 
almost to the point to where I was going to knock him out. Um, seriously, I'm feeling my addictions. I, even though I think I'm, I know the Bible and I'm this Christian, you're a Catholic and I'm Christian. I was going to, I was going to put him on his back to the point I, I walked outside, hmm. you know, and, wow. and, and okay, go, no, go for it. glad that wasn't Jess. Cause you would have been in for a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, you, you know, and I didn't realize it at the time that he was a convert. I, he didn't tell me he didn't open up with that. He was just being very loving and patient with me. I even walked outside of the house. I didn't know he had written church against books against the church. And then he written books for the church. I didn't know this. I, he, I didn't even hear this until years later. Yeah, he's so the heavyweight. Yeah, I didn't even hear about this until I was actually um, later, a couple of years after meeting him, I found out all this stuff. He opened and revealed all this stuff. Yeah, he is a heavyweight. Um, we're actually going on a silent retreat next month on the 11th and 12th with the Benedictine monks in Oceanside. Really great brother. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I go outside and he tells me, hey, Eric, you know what? Um, how about we go to mass and how about you? He goes out there and talks to me and is loving me and showing me compassion and stuff. And it blew me away, his love, because... Like I, one of my that's core, him. Yeah. yeah, that's him. Yeah, one of my core values is people don't care how much you know until you show them how much you care. Yeah. You know, once that love is shown right there, it's just like that's the Holy Spirit working through him, feeding my spirit. And so I listen to him, and yeah, he's like, "You want to go to mass?" I went to mass with him one time, and I was like, when I was in mass, I remember sitting there like, "Hey, I know that's." I know that scripture right there. Holy, holy, holy. Hey, that's Isaiah. Or this is the gospel right here. I was like, man, I never heard this before. But throughout the whole mass, not just in the scripture readings, because I was a Bible reading Christian. Now I'm a Bible reading Catholic Christian. But mm. I knew the scriptures and I could hear it from the beginning of the mass until the end of the mass. Scriptures were being proclaimed. So my heart was open, even though the statues and the paintings were a little throw off yeah. to me, you know. Coming from churches who don't have nothing right. on the walls, pretty much. Yeah, correct. And so um, he invites me. We go, and then he calls me about a week later. Says, "Hey, well, I want to invite you to Covina. I was wondering if you'd like to go with me to mass." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, man. Let's go." But one thing he didn't tell me was that it wasn't going to be mass. And maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe he didn't say mass. But when I came here, it was actually a testimony. Confirm. I mean, a conversion story of Fred Krause. Mm. <laughs> big, big, yeah. big yeah. Uh, Fred Cross, and another guy was with him. I don't remember that officer's name, and I can't remember his face, but I remember this big, this big brother white boy. I was up there, you know, mm. savage like Lou Ferrigno up there, mm. and he's saying his story, and I start getting upset. Actually, I start getting pissed, you know, and um, I actually kick the pew and I go walking out. This is right here at Sacred Heart, mm -hmm. so it's right here at the historic chapel. Where Virgin Most Powerful Studios is at right here. So it's not just by chance that I'm even here right now and that I've been placed here, but that God has a purpose and he has a plan behind everything because Amen. our God is good, you know? Amen. And I remember yeah. walking outside, I take a couple laps around. There's a baseball park over there. And I'm just like thinking in my head, man, what the heck am I doing here? I'm way the heck out here. They drove me. You know, they got me with lunch, too. That's why they told me they were going to buy us lunch. That's all. <laughs> kind of the reason why I went. So when you're evangelizing, use the lunch trick or the donuts. They'll right. more than likely go if they're going to get something out of it. That's right. And so I walk back here. At the time, there's nothing but grass around the chapel. It wasn't concrete like it is all now. And yeah. I'm standing outside in the grass on this side where the restroom, because there's a restroom on the outside of the chapel. It's the restroom isn't inside of the parish. It's actually on the outside. And I'm standing there kind of pacing back and forth. And this little old lady, this older lady walks out. She's about 60, 70 years old. And she asked me what I'm doing out there. And I'm like, 
dude, I'm like, I'm mad. I was like, I'm Protestant. And like everything that I'm hearing in there is like knocking what I pretty much believe. You know, I'm really frustrated. And she just like in the most sweetest and loving way just told me like, you know, God's brought you here for a reason. Just open up, just, you know, open up your heart and listen to what God has in store for you. And she gives me the biggest little hug. She's a little thing, too. She was small. You know, and she <clears throat> hugs me really tight. She goes, come inside when you're ready. And, you know, at that moment, the tears are already welling up in my eyes, you know. And there was a there was a statue of the Blessed Virgin out front on the right-hand side. It was like, it was on a pedestal, and it was up there. I'm glad I talked to Richard earlier because he confirmed that with me, too. And I remember going over there because I've asked people, and they they don't remember it. I remember it because it's a part of my life. This is, a, mm -hmm. this is one of those factors in my life that changed me, you know? Yes. And I go up to it, and I look right in her eyes, and I'm just like, why the heck? I use a cuss word, though. Why the heck do they have you out here? Why mm -hmm. isn't Jesus out here? Forgive me, Blessed Mother. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. why do they have you out here? Why isn't Jesus out here if Catholics are supposed to be Christians? Why are you out here? And it's like this premonition came over me. These thoughts came over me. It was like my eternal self, your, your eternal salvation comes from my womb. So your eternal mm -hmm. And I just started crying. And I just started thinking, yeah, you're right. You know, and things started going through my head. Like Moses couldn't even see the backside of God without turning mm -hmm. a white horns of light coming out of his forehead and stuff. Mm. but the but the blessed virgin was able to hold our salvation in her womb hold god yeah. Womb. and yeah i went yeah. in there um you guys need to say anything no what a mighty what, what a mighty mystery go ahead jesse yeah 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 i'm just i'm eating it up go ahead continue oh, and so i go inside and i love it you know i listen to the rest of it i even get how to evangelize by by the the other legend Terry Barber, you know, he even he even signed it for me, and Josh bought me a copy, and so that was pretty awesome, you know. Uh, I believe the woman that at the time I was with, she still she should still have all those books in her house. I'm actually going to go ask her in the future for forgiveness one day, and then also ask her if I can <laughs> if I can get the get those books, you know. And one of your two one of your books too, Mr. Romero, the one with the boxing glove on it. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, you yeah. signed it for me and everything too, to Josh. It's pretty, it. it's pretty cool the way God just, his way he works, his mystery, the way he does things. Just I get blown away sometimes. Mm -hmm. So they take me to lunch. We leave. The, I start going to RCIA at St. Peter and St. Paul in Alta Loma. Great liturgical director and RCIA director, um, Dan Centurione. And so I'm going there for a couple weeks, and then I get invited to Crucio. And I'm like, oh, just, oh. Yeah, just hold it right there. I just wanted to interject, Jess, and see. I love the, you know, and people need to understand that salvation is a process mm -hmm. and God doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he begins to move and work in our life. And so and you can clearly see in Eric's life, uh, the different phases and stages that God still was reaching out to him, uh, drawing him in, in spite of his sinfulness. And, and, and we, and, and that's, and that's, Born out by scripture when we hear God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he sent us Christ to be crucified, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, continue on. I just wanted to remind everybody of this process that we go through. Yeah. A good point, Paul. Good point. Amen. Amen. That That is a good, that is a great point right there. And I just want to say real quick before we continue the story on YouTube, if anybody wants to hear me, I'm actually preaching the gospel too on there at Traditional Urban Christian on YouTube. And so um, Traditional Urban Christian on YouTube. There you go. Yeah, traditional so just, Urban Christian. Yeah, Traditional right. Urban Christian. And so what happens now is that um, I go to Crucio and it's a divine word. And that's where I actually meet one of your guys' buddies too. See, this is 
this convict, this criminal has these amazing, now you two ex-officers in my life, but I meet Ruben, uh, Ruben Nava. Wow. For the first time, he actually sits at my table and we get that that week and me and him were like this. We talked and I shared my life with him. I shared what was going on. I shared my addictions. I was there for four days, but at the end of those four days, I didn't want to go. I was like, please, God, I don't want to go out. I've been clean for four days. Like, please, I want to stay here. Like, I'll be a mm. monk. I'll just stay here. I don't. I know when I go back out there, like, I was struggling with that. I was like, I love being clean. Crucial Weekend, um, the charismatic movement also is such a, even though I'm a tradsmatic, um, traditionalist and a charismatic, it's such a beautiful movement that really was able i saw some familiarities within that retreat right there that reminded me of my journey that i've been coming so far mm. and so i met him i didn't want to leave but when you clean your house out those demons come back seven times when you take them out and so being sober oh, yeah. for those four days i came out and you would think that my life would be perfect after that but necessarily that's not how it happened mm. you're listening to eric tafoya here in jesus 911 Incredible story again. Uh, Saul of Tarsus is St. Paul. Every single one of us is going through that journey. Uh, reach out for Christ. You know, life is like an onion. God is unpeeling us and it makes you cry because he wants to get to the core. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, that means call out to Jesus, call him for help, call him for assistance. That's what Eric Tafoya did, and he continues to do, and all of us continue to do that because we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It isn't over until we get to the finish line. Erica, continue pick it up where you left off, my friend. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna. So we're gonna. So, so we're gonna make this. I know, like I said, I could be talking about this for days. Um, so what ends up happening is I leave the Crucio. My addictions start getting out of control. I, I use, start using drugs like I never had before in my life at, at this time. Now I go down to 120 pounds, and it gets to the point to where I'm struggling, and I'm asking God take this addiction away from me. And I remember sitting outside of the cathedral, our Holy Rosary Cathedral in San Bernardino, which is my parish, and I'm a leader there now. Um, I would sit out there crying, Lord, take away this addiction. You told me if I ask anything in your name, you would take it away from me. And man, I'm hurting, man. I, I'm just beat up from the feet up. I'm tore up from the floor up. Just, I'm just <laughs> tired of being where I'm at. And I'm begging him, please, Lord, please, you know. Yes, and yes. the door was open, actually. The mass was going on. I could have walked right in. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. I could have went, went right in, but I didn't. I ended up going off, venturing to another spot. Because at the, at the time, I was flowing between five different ladies' houses at the time, you know. And I just, I needed some sleep. And so I went over there, and as I fell asleep, um, I, I heard something going through my pockets. I could hear changing my keys rattling. The woman that I was at was looking for drugs and money in my pockets, and she failed to realize that I had put them underneath the bed. And so I remember I got up, and I got mad, and 
I started getting, I started kind of getting furiated. And in that moment, I knew that I needed to get to my grandma's house. I had to get to my grandma's. I had to get clean. I wanted to be sober. My grandma's Catholic. She's the only Catholic in my life. She's been praying for me my entire life. Her name is Jane Reese. Love, I love that woman. She has dementia, but she's been my, she was my heart and soul for a long time right now. For, for this, mm. Even to this day, she's been praying for me. Mm. Um, Prayers and, are answered, brother. Go ahead. Amen. And so then I go there, I pull up, and I fail to realize that a couple weeks before that, I had been, like demons were in me, and I was flipping out of my mind, and I actually was going to, I was actually going to kill myself. I was going so crazy in my head because I had been up for like three weeks at a time. And I had a domestic violence. So me and a, me and my girlfriend at the time had scuffled inside of a room. I didn't know that I had a warrant. So I'm. this is in Rancho Cucamonga. I'm in Loma Linda at this time. And so my grandma tells me, okay, she, I go to my grandma's house. She sees me. She's like, oh, mijo, you look so good. I was 120 pounds. I trust me. Wet and wearing boots. I know I didn't look good. With clothes on, I weighed 120 pounds and boots on. And she's like, you know what, mijo, go park your car. I'm going to go get some food for us because she could tell I needed to eat. Put something in my system. I was looking pay. I was looking horrible, like a vampire. So I go to parallel. I go to take my car and go pull up to go park it. As I'm parallel parking, I have the music up loud. I'm pulling back, and I don't know whether I bumped into them or they bumped into me. But an unmarked SUV had pulled up behind me. Two guys jumped out in regular plain clothing, hats on backwards, lokes on, one with a shotgun, one with a pistol. My mind, because of the life I was living at that time, I had got back into the gangs and drugs and all the nonsense, picked up a big drug debt, big time. I thought that's who it was. I actually took off, boom. And whether it was cops or it, whether I knew there were cops or somebody trying to get me, I still would have took off because my mind was just in, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, I'm, it's flight. You know, on site, it's flight. I'm, I'm either going to get it with them because I got the edge on them or I'm going to run. And that's what I did. I ended up taking off in Loma Linda, heart of the day, hospital city, VA hospital. It was just crazy, busy traffic. Finally, I hit a couple stop signs. I'm flying down the road and I'm driving in my rear view mirror like I usually did when I was tweaking. And as I'm looking in my rear view mirror, I realize that there's lights. And I'm like, oh, they're, man, it's cops, man. Like, what the heck? Because they had the light on the inside of the vehicle, not on the top of the vehicle. I'm like, oh, man, it's cops. As soon as I look forward to look forward, traffic has stopped now, and I'm about to hit the back of a car. My life is never going to be the same after this moment that I'm about to tell you. My life will my life will never be the same, and it sucks that these actions are going to happen. So God, I know God forgives me, and anybody who hears that out there, believe in the power of transformation, because as soon as I'm going to hit the back of this car, I jump in the bike lane, and a beautiful man that I think about every single day, Randolph Stevenson, jumped in the bike lane also. He was turning into the bike lane, and I actually hit him. Um, I killed him. He was pretty much killed immediately as I hit him. And I still went on a couple blocks until finally I was um, I got in an accident and I and I got caught up, um, but I ended up getting locked up and um, they were going to give me life in prison. And Randolph Stevenson, I have to call his name out because he was a person, and he, it's like he lost his life. I always I've been saying this for a long time. He lost his life so that I can have life. That my life is who what I do today as a person. The reparations that I am making today as a man is because someone lost their life and somebody's family still hurts because of the the actions that I had done in my past. It was different from before. Go for it. Yeah, so uh, if the audience is listening, let's pray for his soul, Randolph Stevenson. Thank you, Randolph Stevenson, yeah. Or if eternal, re eternal rest grant unto Randolph Stevenson, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. 
May the soul of Randall Stevens, to the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. Name of the Father, Amen. Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank Amen. you. Okay, so go ahead, Eric. And so, like, I'm in now. I'm in. I'm in jail. I'm fighting my case. Selfish pity nonsense and trying to make excuses blaming everybody else except for taking responsibility for my actions it got to the point to where i was going to kill myself i made a noose i was in a single man cell all by myself all my family was rejecting me nobody everybody was thinking oh we thought you were a christian we thought you were this but i told them i was using the whole time i've never been clean for all these years for 20 years i've never been clean other than pretty much every time i'd hit prison I would get cleaned up well more than I was on the streets, of course. And you know what? And they just, everybody rejected me. Even got to the point to where I called my son and I had to tell him, son, I'm doing life in prison. Like, I'm sorry. And he actually called me a fake Christian. Like, you're fake, dad. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought you were supposed to be more than that. Like, he didn't even want to talk to me. And it got to the point to where I was at the lowest of my lows. Like, I'd never been this low in my entire life. In the homelessness and the drug addictions, all my problems. But this was like the bottom of my pit. And I made the news. I called him up on the phone. And like, I really don't know whether it was like he heard something in my voice because I was trying to be tough. You know, this moment always gets me caught up because this is the changing factor. Randy and this and this phone call is like a big changing factor in my life. Or if God was telling my son to say something, because as I tell him, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you, son. I'm telling him all those good things. He goes, you know, what, dad, I love you. I forgive you and I can't wait to see you, even though I told them I was going to be doing life in prison. And I went back to my cell and I thought about everybody who I'd hurt. It was like this paradigm shift happened in my life. Like this mm. moment of metanoia was going to start happening from this moment forward because I wasn't even picking up the Bible. I wouldn't even pray for the first month and a half, two months that I was incarcerated. I just didn't. I was like, like, I felt like I didn't need God. I felt like I had just like... I'm not even going to talk to there because look at where I'm at. And so what ends up happening is I get on my knees and I start begging God for forgiveness. Everybody who I've heard in my past, every Randy, his family, his kids, his grandkids, everybody in society that was affected by my path of destruction that I had laid out from the age of 13 on into this moment right now. This is back in mm-hmm. August 19, 2015. You know, all these things that I was doing that entire time, I was just begging him weeping weeping and really asking like lord help me to be everything you need me to be now like if i do life in prison i'll give it up to you i'll give it up Mm. to you just let me be used remember i was i was already in the word i knew the word already i just wasn't living it out by actions because faith without Mm. works is dead you can't have a Christian life unless, like you, like um, Brother Romero was saying, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you ain't putting action behind your words, it ain't nothing but talk anyways. And I said, begged him. I said, please, Lord, let me do your will now while I'm in here. And mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is my mom, I make it first, I make a, a rosary out of a trash bag because we don't have rosaries there at the time. And I go, you know what? That was the hardest when I started converting over, the Blessed Virgin was one of the hardest things. Praying the rosary was a struggle for me. But I made it a point to where we made a rosary out of a trash bag. Called my mom up. And I said, you know what? I need a Bible. She's like, oh, what do you want? A new King James? Nah, I want a Catholic Bible. Whatever Bible you get that's Catholic, please send to me. Um, so I started reading the scriptures, a catechism of the Catholic Church. I started getting entrenched in the doctrines. I had a buddy who was, his father was a deacon, Deacon Santos from Holy Name in Hesperia. His son was there with me. So he engaged this fire in me. I wanted to teach him because he had kind of fallen off the wagon. So I started teaching him and they started sending us Matthew Kelly books. 
And I was like, all right, cool. Getting into all these math. It's like inspiring books. You know, I thought that yeah, was right. I thought it was pretty good. But as the months went on, like, and I started leaving scriptures at everybody's door, I would write a scripture every day and leave it at their door. I started preaching to them because in jail, you guys know men are always coming in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. They never yeah. like, oh, go for it. Yeah, Eric, I, I just have, um, when you were in jail after the incident, uh, for the, uh, we're talking about the vehicular manslaughter that yeah. you were involved in, uh, and, and you were at the point of, you wanted to make a noose, you wanted to kill yourself. Uh, you were, you were visited by a priest, yes, right? So, so this is afterwards. So that's what I was actually getting to right now. Okay. So as okay. six months passed by, uh, I asked for a priest. I want a priest to come and visit me. Um, and cause I, as I was preaching and I was reading the word and everybody saw a smile on my face, but I couldn't forgive myself. And so he came and visited me. His name was Father Stephen Porter. He's at St. Kateri now in Banning. But at the time, this is this is crazy. At the time, they sent me a priest. And I didn't ask him from this place. I was baptized as a baby at St. Catherine of Siena in Rialto, California. Father Porter was the Monsignor at St. Catherine of Siena in Rialto. Mm. And it mm. blew my mind away. I'm like, you're from St. Catherine. I was baptized by Father Lewis Marks. Rest his soul, you know. Mm. God be with his soul. Awesome, awesome priest. He was a legend. He was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I knew I said that name. Both of you guys would know him. Yeah, he's a legend, that, he, that priest. Yeah. And he actually yeah. baptized me as a baby. So I'm even wow. blessed even more to have. There's another wow. blessing yes. that was on well, me. See, right? it, it, Jess, it, you it, can it see how God had, his, exactly. God had his hand on him. In so many ways, he, he surrounds them with these mighty men of faith uh, yeah, uh, yeah. so that you could glean from them. Go ahead, Jess. No, that's <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the, you know, the priest that baptized them. You know, he mentions Fred Cross, Ruben Nava. He's mentioning, uh, you know, uh, Joshua Bettencourt, yes. uh, Terry Barber. Uh, yeah. God put like all the right people in his life. To make you or bring you back into the Catholic Church and make you a strong Catholic Christian. I mean, God, God sent God sent His Navy SEALs at you. <laughs> Amen. You know, it seems pretty it seems impossible, but yeah, I see the I see the time right there. So, Father Porter, that's where we're at. And when I can when we come back, I'm going to continue from him if you guys don't mind. And you got it, of course. Yeah, Jesus nine one one. We're talking to Eric Tafoya, and uh, I'm just uh, I love to see. Uh, a sinner saved by grace and I just love to see the uh, uh, men give witness to the power of Jesus Christ in their life we'll be right back stick around don't go anywhere now back to Jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151 we're back at Jesus 911. I'm Paul Clay. I'm here with Jess Romero, and we have a uh, special guest today sharing his conversion story, Eric Tafoya. And, uh, you know, as I'm listening to Eric, I'm reminded of sacred scripture that tells us where sin abounds, grace much more. And uh, Eric, your story is so good, and it, and and there's so much here. We're gonna have to invite you back for a second session, and we're gonna uh, to dialogue with you and talk about it. But continue on. This is this is a great story here. Amen. I like that because this is the story. But you know, sometimes the the story can go drawn so much because God's done so much that we don't get to be able to talk about the glory. You know, yep. this is the story right here, but what about the glory? What's going on afterwards? So let me continue with this story. Yep. So I see Father Stephen Porter. Like I said, he's from the place where I was baptized. 
I tell him I can't forgive myself. He tells me he stood up. He's like six foot five. He's from South Africa. And he's like, how dare you tell me that you don't forget that you don't forgive yourself. How dare you disrespect God? I'm thinking like, what are you talking about, man? I'm coming and confessing this to you, you know, but he made sense to me when he was saying that God already forgave me. So for to not forgive myself is to actually disrespect God. And he actually gave me the Eucharist that day. I told him, I don't got my first communion yet, sir. I haven't done it yet. And he knew that I needed it. He knew it's what I needed in my life at that time for those efficacious graces to be given to me because I believed it was truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because one of the first things that I had learned was the sacrament of the Eucharist and the, yeah. the bread of life discourse and all the scriptures that pertain Old and New Testament. I went deep into well, that stuff. So he well, 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 obviously he became convinced of that, Eric, and yeah. you made a confession to him. And so, yeah, he, he make, gave you Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. That, that was that was a field commission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It basically a soldier in battle said, "Hey, man, you're promoted. Get over here. Here's a gun." <laughs> yeah. That's what he did. Amen. So they end up only giving me ten years. You know, they saw that I didn't do it on purpose. They gave me ten years with sixty six percent. So I would do a little over six years at that time, and um, I ended up going upstate, getting in deeper into scriptures. I I actually found a Catholic survival guide, wrote Catholic answers. They sent me hundreds of books. I started getting into the Tan books, Ignatius Press, um, Angelus Press. Church Militant was sending me um, newspapers, me and my buddies that were in there. Catholic Family News was sending us newspapers every couple weeks. So I was engaged with all this material. We didn't have no priests. And so, for, so, so of course, I started engaging with, with Protestants, became part of their worship teams. They would let me speak for a half an hour once a week. I was preaching. Sometimes we would debate because... I was teaching the way I believed what I knew truth was, and I wasn't going to go by what they were teaching. So we bumped heads a little bit, but I was involved in their ministries thinking that I was going to capitulate because most 90% of Catholics that go to prison capitulate and become Protestant because we don't well, have. Well, well, Eric, you know, you know, it's that it's Catholics who don't know their faith. And yeah. it sounds like you were gleaning all this good information about the fullness of the faith through some literally uh, the you know the apostles that you named and so forth and and the people uh, again God had His hand on you clearly Amen. and uh, I w- I want to get to the part where um, uh, you know they basically I guess felt like you were too Catholic and talking about you know obviously uh, the, the things that you believed and uh, uh, you began to debate is that correct with yeah. some of these guys my first spiritual director actually hits the yard i'm on the yard working out and i see this tall black guy with a black suit on and a blue sun hat on and i'm looking i'm like is that a priest i'm like there's no way he has a baby blue hat on like that but yeah it actually was a priest because we didn't have a priest on the yard for a year and a half that i was there for almost three years i was incarcerated there was no priest and all of a sudden father titus eby comes walking up from nigeria and mm-hmm. he becomes our priest. So I start attending mass. I become his facilitator, altar serving. I become a reader, start doing catechism classes. Well, as I'm catechizing myself, because he's only on the yard four hours a week. Well, what about the rest of the week? I was the Catholic leader on the yard, Catholic facilitator. Yeah. And so they started seeing that. And they're like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? I said, you guys see me wearing the rosary. I told you guys I'm Catholic. That's why I wear this rosary. I'm not like everybody else. It's just wearing on the neck because it's a cross i told you guys i'm catholic <laughs> they all started hitting this. Me. yeah they all started hitting me up but what they failed to realize is i'm a catholic that knows the bible i was there at one time so everything that they would answer 
I don't do it like Josh. Josh was very loving when he was able to talk to me. I'm like a gung-ho dude. I'm like, look at what the Bible says right here, bro. Like, can't you see it? This is truth right here about Peter, St. Peter, Mama Mary, the saints in heaven. I can go scripturally and answer all of our doctrines pretty much. I don't like mm-hmm. to, I, don't, I, I, I quote church fathers, but I'm big on the Bible. I like, that's, our, that's our book right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so they kick me out of their worship team. You know, they, they kicked me out of doing um, preaching once a, once a week. And so um, I started getting in deep. And so not only did I get confirmed and get my first communion, get confirmed into the church, I actually brought in six brothers with me. So everybody, my bunkie, <laughs> my bunkie was a messianic, had a couple of Protestants, atheists, but everybody who was like in my dorm area all got confirmed. So when they sent a priest down to confirm us all because the bishop couldn't make it, there was actually me and seven other, me and six other brothers came into the faith. So it was an amazing thing. But while I was amazing, I wanted to change completely. So I actually graduated from Harvest Bible University and got my degree. I got a degree in ministry right there from an Anglican college. I didn't want to quit it just because I was going to be the first. I even walked with them on the streets in 2021. I wasn't going to quit it. I took what I thought was good and all the other stuff that I thought was nonsense. I left off to the side, but I wasn't going to quit because these Protestants saw me now than my who I was as a Catholic. And now that I was fully confirmed, I wasn't going to stop. So I got that degree in there. It was like theology and ministry at the same time. I got a degree in social and behavioral science while I was in there, became a Christian peer counselor. I facilitated 28 hours of groups every month because I wanted to do not be conformed to the way this is the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God gives us all these things for our mental health, for our emotional health, for our intellect, for us to grow. Not just was I awakened spiritually, but intellectually I was transforming into a man I never thought I could become. And it was only by the power and love of God that was doing that Amen. internally. So externally. Externally, I would be different, you know, by his okay, love. brother. Yeah, brother, your story is so rich and so encouraging, but we're going to have to slow you down right there Go from back of time. I want to hear from Jess. I want to hear some of his comments on this. And again, we're going to have to bring you back for round two because okay. uh, there's gold in them there, Hills. And I love it when God gets all the glory for he's, he truly takes that which is not in order to nullify the things that are. Go ahead, Jess. Amen. Here's, the, here's what I see. What, what And this is very important. Uh, and Eric is the proof in the pudding that this is what has to be done. A lot of people have a conversion, uh, that spark, that prick of conscience, that illumination of conscience. But Eric is a perfect example that the intellect needs to be formed with the word of God. If it's not, you fall back into uh, your yes. old ways, your old habits, your, the lifestyle. The reason Eric was able to basically claw his way out of this, obviously by the grace of God, but you can just tell from from listening to him talk and from hearing him, you can see that he has he has a he has a biblical worldview. He has his mind is formed by the word of God. And once your mind is formed by the word of God, you can sniff error. And uh, and this is why Hosea, the prophet, told the Israelites, he says, my people are dying for their lack of knowledge. Eric is proof positive that a drug addict from the uh, from a street gang, God can purify their intellect and make them a useful vessel in the body of Christ. And uh, I'm sure Eric has been from what I from my from people that know him and that tell me uh, he's been doing great things, uh, you know, since he's been a free man. And uh, I just see if, if Eric continues down this path with this zeal and this hunger to know the truth and this hunger to the obedience of the gospel, 
God is going to keep using Eric as a mighty sword in his hand. Yes. Yeah. You know, Jess, I'm reminded of so many things in the Bible when I listen to him. You know, there's a lot of things that, that cause, you know, us to wonder when we hear things like uh, in Romans where God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. When we hear God declare, is there is is there anything too difficult for the Lord? We hear scripture that tells us where sin abounds, grace much more. Uh, we see God take a man like Saul of Tarsus, you know, who persecuted the church, and he makes him into one of the greatest apostles. Uh, yeah. And then let's not forget Mary Magdalene, a woman with a dark past, and yet Jesus loved her drew her close to himself, and she was the first person that saw the resurrected Christ. We should be encouraged when we hear things like this because we all have family members that struggle with different things. I mean, we live in a real world. We live in a world in a post-Christian era where things are just dominated by secularism. And Eric is an encouragement to me, and it should, and he should be an encouragement to everybody out there listening that God is able. God can deliver, and he will deliver. All you have to do is choose. And uh, no matter how deep the pit that you dig is dug, if you, uh, uh, Jesus said, those who seek me will find me. And I will not hide my face from them. So uh, we got to have you back, Eric, for, for round two, because you have a lot to say. And uh, you, you've been a blessing to me. Uh, when Jess told me that he says, hey, Paul, I want you to call some guy named Eric up and 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 and, and talk to him. Well, we talk, what, like four hours, right? Yeah. Eric? <laughs> uh, and and truly, it shows you that we have all things in common in Christ. Yeah. And I know that when when when, when you know. I can recognize the Lord in somebody and I'm drawn to that. And so again, four hours later, right? <laughs> <laughs> Eric, invite people to come listen to your podcast. Uh, you got about a minute, my friend, go ahead. Amen. And I want, I just want to say that, you know, don't give up on your family members because everybody didn't, they didn't think I could change, but with God, anything is possible when in our weaknesses, then God is made strong. He, he will become visible to everybody. And like everything that's going on in my life, it's a testimony that if this filthy rag could change, if God could take out that, that stone heart that was within, within my chest and replace it with a new beautiful flesh, yes. a heart of flesh, then he could yeah. do it for any one of your family members, despair, mental health, drug addictions, gangs, yes. whatever it may be. Anything is possible for God. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. So yeah, this was the story, everyone. But remember, yeah. there's always the glory. So go for it. No, I just wanted to ask you one question, Eric. Yeah. Um, how long has it been since you've had uh, uh, drugs in your system? I've been sober for about eight years now. And it was eight through the, that's That's what I wanted to get to eventually on the glory part. Yeah. Only through yeah. the sacraments, only through praying the rosary, through only through the intercession yes. of the saints, yes. through the intercession of our blessed, the blessed yes. Virgin, going oh, to mass almost like two. go for it. Part two, oh, definitely part two. Yeah, yeah we yeah. want to talk because yeah. we live in a drug culture, so we yeah. have to, we have to have you back because this is huge. Uh, and Amen. so, yeah, Eric, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, my friend. Thank you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Traditional we'll urban, have... tra real quick, traditional urban Christian. Sorry, but remember, everyone, YouTube, traditional urban Christian, Jesus. <laughs> thanks a lot for coming on hey you've been listening to jesus 911 uh eric tafoya here with uh, paul and jess what an incredible journey of faith and the journey continues obviously but uh he's rooted in christ he's rooted in the sacraments true devotion to mary the fullness of truth yeah eric is here to stay 
All right, my friend. God bless you. Keep the faith. You, Up too. next, Thank Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for me and Paul and Eric, we are out. EOW, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith. And viva Cristo Rey.